Hey, what did the turkey say before it was uh, roasted? Boy, I'm stuffed. <laughs> Why do turkeys always go gobble, gobble, gobble? Because they never learn good table manners. They get better. Everyone gets better. Um, what key has legs and can't open doors? A turkey. <laughs> Why did the turkey cross the road? Because it was the chicken's day off. Why, uh, what did the turkey say to the computer? <clears throat> Google, Google, Google. <laughs> hey, uh, Thanksgiving is a lot of fun. Um, I'll admit it, I look forward to it. You know, they say on Americans, you know, for us, Thanksgiving's a lot about the food, obviously on Thanksgiving day. And uh, we typically start grazing, you know, before the meal. I think they say about 10% of the calories are consumed before the turkey gets on the table. And so uh, we have a lot of fun with it. Years ago, I started, um, I started, uh, uh, deep frying turkeys, which I, man, I just love it. I can't quit doing it because it's so good. They're so good when you do it that way and they cook pretty short, it takes about an hour. And so that's a lot of fun. This year, I probably won't get to deep fry turkey. Um, our, uh, daughter, our, our daughter and son-in-law who live out in North Carolina, they're expecting a baby um, on the 28th of November, but he was born this morning at 5.30. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to head that direction probably tomorrow morning and get out there and spend some time with them. And so I, I may not get to deep fried turkey this year, but we'll make sure we get turkey uh, or get Thanksgiving in some way. Hey, by the way, yesterday, um, uh, because of your generosity, we gave away about 95 uh, Thanksgiving meals uh, to people in our community. So that is awesome. You know, throughout the week, as we were calling people, uh, Jody Winemaster was a big part of that. Mary did a little bit. And, uh, and um, Kosha calling people. We got the chance to just connect with some people around uh, tough seasons that they're in in their life. And, and there were some tears on the phone and some appreciation just for that blessing uh, of blessing others. And so I just want to thank you for being generous and for allowing us as a church to let people know in our community. Some of them are in some pretty tough uh, situations that there are people that care about them. And hopefully they get a sense even that God cares about them and hasn't forgotten about them, no matter what they're facing. And so thank you for that. And I'm so encouraged that as a church, we got to do that. Um, Thanksgiving is important to me in part because it is so important for us as human beings to be thankful. We need to have and learn to live with an attitude of gratitude I know you've heard that before, but man, it's so good. It's so important. Without that attitude of gratitude, we typically gravitate in a direction of narcissism, of, of uh, being self-consumed, and of not really appreciating what it is we have. You know, in this country, um, as uh, U.S. Americans, we are a blessed people. And we really are blessed uh, at the worst of times in this country we really are still better off than much of the rest of the world, if not all of the rest of the world. And so um, we need to remember that at times. 
And, and I'm thankful that we have a day of the year still that's a part of our culture. It's built into our culture where we do that, where we're encouraged to be thankful. Um, being thankful is a guard against a lot of things. It really can protect us um, because though we are a blessed people, we're also a stressed people. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Yeah, we're a blessed people, but we really oftentimes live more like a stressed people than a blessed people. And, and part of what protects against that, that we get focused on the pressure and the worry and the cares of this life and the, the, the things that we're trying to chase after and we're trying to accomplish, what can protect us against the negative that that can produce in us is thanksgiving. And so we need to learn to live with an attitude of gratitude, and that's what I want us to focus on today as we head into this holiday season, that we go in with our hearts and minds protected, that we go in with the right attitude, because attitude is so important. It dictates so much of how we experience life, how we view the things that happen to us, and how we navigate even difficulty. And so I want to try to dig into God's Word this morning, because believe it or not, there was a group of people that lived... Uh, about 2,000 years ago in a Roman colony called, uh, the colony, uh, the outpost was called Philippi. Um, it was an ancient city and it, uh, it was a Roman colony. And so uh, there was a lot of Roman citizens there. That city was founded by Alexander the Great's father, Philip II. And, uh, and they lived in a very affluent culture. They lived in a very pagan culture where the pursuit of happiness and joy took all and any uh, means possible. And so people were chasing after uh, pleasure and, and the, really going after anything that made them feel good. And so it was bereft. It was really an empty culture of any real meaning. They were struggling to discover and to realize what life was about. And so it's in that context that the gospel was presented to uh, the folks that lived in Philippi by the Apostle Paul. And you can read about it in the, books of, uh, in the book of Acts. And there was a number of people. There were some miracles performed. And there was a number of people that came to know Jesus. And they formed a church. And it is that group of people that we're going to look at um, some writings to them in a book called uh, the book of Philippians. And if you have a Bible, you want to turn to Philippians 4. That's where we're going to be this morning. And looking at a passage, uh, a, a chunk of uh, the Apostle Paul's writing. Again, he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so it's really important to know that these aren't just the words of a man, but these are God-breathed words. So the Holy Spirit um, wrote through the Apostle Paul. As he's writing, he's writing the truth from God. And so we have, we have the revelation of God, the direction of God that we can apply to our lives. And it's so important because we're going to learn this morning how to live blessed instead of stressed because the Bible really addresses this. Believe it or not, one of the biggest miracles that God wants to do in your life is he wants to give you peace. He wants to give you peace. He wants you to walk through this life peaceful, peace-filled. And that, friends, is a miracle if we can actually receive that gift and see it realized in our lives. And so the focus of this passage is all about helping a group of people who were also stressed out realize how to live a peaceful life. And that's what we're going to learn this morning. The antidote to stress is to follow the word of God. It's to follow the instructions of God. Believe it or not, God is not stressed out. He doesn't live a stress-filled life. 
God is perfectly at peace. And the reason he's at peace is because he knows how things are going to work out, right? He knows the future. He already has everything in hand. And you and I have the opportunity to connect to that God and to have his presence in our lives and to walk with him through this life. And so the first thing we're going to see in this passage that the Apostle Paul gives us instruction on as to how we're to experience this peace in our lives, he says this, first of all, you've got to live with this attitude. You've got to live with this, um, with this um, posture in life. The first instruction he gives to live a peace-filled life is he says, live filled up with joy. Live filled up with joy. Philippians chapter four, verse four, follow along as I read. This is what he says. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Being filled up with joy is the beginning point of having an attitude of gratitude, of walking through this life with peace. It starts with being filled up with joy. Now joy is presented or talked about as two different things in the Bible. The first thing is it's talked about as a feeling. So being joyful is a feeling. It's being filled up with the emotions of joy, right? And, and so that's one way in which joy is talked about in the Bible. So really in this passage here, Paul is giving a command to followers of Jesus to be filled up with joy. And that's an emotion, Okay, so that's the first thing. The second way in which joy is talked about is an action. And so in this verse, you'll see, first of all, he says, always be full of joy in the Lord. And so it's not full of joy because of your circumstances, not full of joy because you're excited about everything that's happening to you. No, be full of joy in the Lord, meaning in and through the relationship you have with Jesus. Be full of joy because of him and because of his presence in your life, and because of what he's doing. And so that's the first piece. The second thing he says is what? I say it again, rejoice. Now rejoice is an action. And so it's interesting how the action of rejoicing leads to and contributes to being full of joy, and how being full of joy leads to the action of rejoicing. They work together. And so we're to focus on obediently following what God says, working at being joyful people and filling our lives with joy. Much of this has to do with what we're focused on. The truth is that the Bible tells us we can be joyful in every and all situations. Every circumstance that we encounter in life, no matter how painful and difficult, no matter how much of a struggle it's going to be, we can still be joyful in it. The Bible talks about it numerous places. The only way that I can figure out that that can work, and I've been trying to figure this out for a while because I don't know, like you, I don't always feel joy at every situation. I see a trial coming. I see a hardship coming and I don't go, woohoo, you know, here we go. You know, that's not how I respond always. Maybe you do and you're way beyond me, but you know, I struggle with it sometimes. So how does this work that I could be joyful entering a trial, entering a storm, entering something difficult? Well, the way in which that happens that I can figure out is when I know, and this takes some faith and it takes some uh, experience in figuring this out, okay? The belief in God's word, that as I enter a trial, as I enter a storm, that there's nothing in this life that you or I can go through, that God is not going to work out for your good. See, when I enter a situation knowing that, 
I can be joyful. I can say, okay, God, here we go. This is going to be tough. It's going to hurt. It's going to be a challenge, but you're going to work good through this somehow. Now, as I've lived life, lived long enough to know that that really happens. And, and it befuddles me. <laughs> it confuses me how it happens at times. I don't really understand it. But I do know that I've lived long enough to see that in the worst of times in my life, the most painful things, the most difficult things that have hurt and they've been the result of evil, that God has worked good in my life through them, not in spite of them, but through them, he has worked things out for my good. And so it gives me the confidence to stand here and say to you that the same thing will be true of you and for you. You have to be walking with God through this life to experience that. You're not gonna experience it as an observer of the Christian life, okay? If you're an observer of it, you're not gonna experience that. But if you're walking with Jesus through this life, you will find that the promises regarding this are true. As we talk about finding joy in this life, we know that that is an empty pursuit. The reason we know it is that many have tried to find joy in this life by pursuing life and trying to ob obtain it, right? Even happiness is very fleeting. It'd almost be easier to say, here's the ways in which you won't find joy in this life, rather than to say how you can find it. We know, for example, that you're not gonna find joy in pleasure because many have tried, and even you have found the pursuit of pleasure. It's, it's temporary. You'll feel good temporarily, but then it dissipates and disappears. It's not lasting. Joy is not found in money, because we know the wealthiest of people still want a little bit more. They're not happy at the end of the rainbow when they find the pot of gold. It doesn't produce joy in our lives. Position and fame do not bring joy. Winning does not bring joy. All of these things produce a temporary experience of some pleasure, but do not fill us with a joy that can transcend and go beyond our situations. The only place that kind of joy is found is in Jesus. It's through a relationship with the God who created you. It is in and through that relationship with God that you can really experience joy, where you can be filled up with joy all the time and where you can rejoice at all, at all times and in all things. Having the right attitude, as I said, is difficult. But one of the components of having a good attitude is that it spills out into how we treat other people. And this is an interesting spot for the Apostle Paul after just instructing the church in Philippi and instructing us, right? The Spirit of God instructing us to be filled with joy, to rejoice. He then says this in Philippians 4, 5. He says, be considerate to others in all you do. So as you go through life, how you interact with others is going to matter. Be considerate to others in all you do. Philippians 4, 5 goes this way. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. The Apostle Paul preached uh, to this church that Jesus had gone back to heaven to sit at the right hand of the throne of God, that he'd been given all power, all authority, all dominion, and that he would return or he would come again to receive or to take his church to be with him. And so they knew that Jesus could return at any moment. And Paul interjects an encouragement here, right? 
it, it, it goes with having an attitude of gratitude, of having the right attitude. He says, listen, be filled with joy all the time and treat each other with consideration. Now, I want to tell you that being considerate of others is not easy. It's extremely difficult and it takes effort. And in order for you to be considerate of others, you have to have the bandwidth in your life to be actually be able to think about somebody else before you do something, before you say something, before you take action. And that takes space in your life. Can I tell you that if you're walking in peace through this life, that you will be able to treat others with consideration almost all the time? You'll have the ability, you'll have the energy, you'll have the space to do that. If you're walking through life stressed and full of anxiety, you're going to have a hard time being considerate of anybody else. Because really all you're able to do is think about yourself and trying to appease and salve the emotions going on in you that are painful. And so we've got to learn to walk through life with peace. That gives us the ability to treat others well. I think Paul here is kind of saying to this church, hey guys, be nice to each other, right? Be nice to each other because you're supposed to, but if that's not enough, Jesus is coming back. So treat each other well. The Savior could be here tomorrow. He's going to know what you did yesterday. It kind of reminds me when I was a kid growing up, I had a younger brother, and there were days I was a little hard on him. You know, I was just trying to prepare him for life. You know what I mean? Life is tough, and so I didn't want to be a wimp. And so, you know, uh, I'd, uh, I was just helping in his, in his growing up process. And so, anyway, I'd be a little hard on him. And there was times, not every day, man, most, most times I was a an angel. But, but there were days where my, my mom would be like, stop picking on your brother. And I'd be like, I'm not picking on him. I'm just helping him mature. And she'd say, stop picking on him. You know, and, and I'd say, no. And I'd keep fighting with him. And she'd say, what? She'd say, wait till your dad gets home. You're in trouble. And boy, I knew instantly because my dad made good on that promise. He wasn't a softie that came home. Now you kids get along. You know, he, he leaned into me. So I knew in that moment I needed to make a correction. And if I acted better for the rest of the time my, until my dad got home, maybe my mom wouldn't, you know, tell dad how I'd been behaving. So uh, the truth is that we have a Savior Jesus who walks with us. We have a God who we answer to. And we have a Father who isn't just going to come home and see and hear how we've been behaving. Because what does the Bible tell us? God is with us at all times, right? He knows how you're treating that person, how you treated them last week. He knows. It's not like he's going to come and find out all of a sudden. And so we need to, we need to walk with that realization that God is with us. He does expect more of us. He expects us to treat others with consideration. Um, I had the chance and opportunity, privilege to lead a guy to the Lord a few years ago, and I was kind of teaching him about what it means to walk with Jesus and to walk with God. And, and uh, we were talking about this principle that God's with us at all times. And, and he said, now, wait a minute. Do you mean that God's with me if I go on a date and after the date, you know, we're in the car and maybe we're making out a little bit? Do you, do you mean he's there with me then? And of course I said, well, yeah, <laughs> it's like he's in the seat right next to you, which freaked him out a little bit, <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, the truth is that God is with us and we are responsible to him and he does expect more of us just like any good father would. And so our behavior matters, how we treat each other matters. And we need to live with that reality rather than getting frustrated with others. 
at how they don't meet up to our expectations, how they don't match what we need them to do so we can have joy and peace, right? If everybody else would just do what we want them to do, then we'd be happy. You know, instead of living that way, an attitude of gratitude allows us to give others slack, to think about others instead of just ourselves. Again, being thankful and having a thankful heart will protect us against the negatives that we can walk into as people. We have a tendency to be self-centered and narcissistic and being grateful and thankful, walking with joy, treating others uh, with consideration. All those things are very good for us. They're healthy for us as people. And they're the kind of things that God is going to build into our lives. If you get mad and stay mad with others, it is pretty tough to be filled with joy. How we relate to other people really does matter as far as how we experience this life. And if we're constantly getting pulled into drama with other people, then it's going to be tough for us to live this life the way God intended. And so being considerate of others can actually prevent a lot of that drama. You know, remember, I've, uh, we've talked about this, but drama is where the devil hangs out. And it's where you're going to be, uh, there's going to be attempts to pull you into that drama. And yet if we treat others with consideration, if we resist that temptation, it actually helps us internally to stay healthy, to stay upbeat and joyful as we go throughout our lives. We're not getting pulled into and pulled down by the storms of life. Now, I heard an illustration not long ago about how we face uh, and how we deal with the storms in life. The storms in life will cause us to be under pressure and they, they add a, a level of difficulty to actually treating others well and to being filled with joy. And so how we handle the storms in life is really important. And I heard it explained this way. Uh, you can either be a cow or a buffalo when it comes to how you handle the storms in life. And, and uh, uh, what uh, the illustration goes like this, that cows have a tendency to run away or to walk away from the storm. They want the storm to their back. And so they're trying to move away from it. Now, obviously, if they're fenced in, they can't get too far. But, but if there's no fences and they can move away, they'll try to walk away from the storm. The problem is that by doing so, when you walk away from the storm, you actually are in the storm longer because you're moving with it, right? The buffalo in, in, in opposition will stand and face the storm. And though that can be harder because the storms hit me in the face, I feel the effects of it. I feel the, the force of it. It's harder to face. But the truth is that it's also, I'm in the storm for a shorter period of time because I'm facing the storm and I'm standing strong. And I think what God wants for us is to help us face the storms in life, not run from them. And it'll actually help us because we'll be in the storm a shorter period of time. And that's what God wants for us. There's a process that the apostle is going to teach us now um, through the inspiration. Again, this is God's word for us, but God's trying to teach us how to deal with the sinful world we live in. It was not God's plan that we would experience pain and suffering, that evil would, uh, would be um, put upon us. That was not God's plan. And yet it's the reality of the world we live in. And so there's a way in which we can navigate this life that will keep us healthy and will protect us from being pulled in a direction uh, away from walking with God and away from living this life of peace. And so what, what um, Philippians 4, 6 is going to present to us is this, uh, this principle. The apostle says this, don't worry about anything. 
pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Philippians 4, 6 goes this way. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Now, worry can be, it can be very difficult to avoid. For some of us, it just seems like it attaches to our insides. It just finds itself there. And we don't really know how it got there. And in spite of our best efforts to keep it out, it just shows up. And all of a sudden, before we know it, there we are dealing with the emotion, the anxiety, right, of worry. And it's hard to avoid. The problem is worry can be devastating to us. It has devastating effects on us, emotionally, physically. Ulcers come from worry, right? And so we actually develop infections and sores in our body because of worry. It's not a good thing. And so the Apostle Paul's teaching us this principle that by walking with Jesus, we can live this way. We can live in a healthy way where we don't worry about anything. Instead, he says, pray about everything. For those of you that are prone to worry or think about things obsessively, right? Oh no, I don't worry, pastor. I just think about stuff a lot. Yeah. Okay, so, so here's the deal. Either way, whether you're just thinking about things a lot or worrying, think about this. Worry never robs tomorrow of its sorrow. It only saps today of its joy. An exasperated husband asked his wife one day, sweetie, why do you worry about stuff so much? It doesn't change anything. She said, oh yes, it does. 99% of the things I worry about never happen. Pray about everything. <laughs> Worrying is a useless uh, expansion of energy. And it, it's neg it negatively affects us. Paul says, don't do that. Get rid of that practice. Instead, here's something I want you to do with that energy, with all of that uh, cognitive thinking about things. Pray. Pray about everything. Instead of worrying, talk to God about it. Now, let's just, let's just rationally talk for a minute, okay? I know we're all emotional creatures. We make most of our decisions emotionally, but let's be rational for a minute. Okay, so we can worry about stuff, and most of the stuff we worry about, we have no control over. That's why we worry about it. And we think somehow, by thinking about it more, we're going to figure out a way to control it. That's a mental illness, okay? It's not healthy. That's not healthy. That's not right. It's never going to happen. We're just spending energy doing something over and over again that's never going to produce the result we want. That's why we get ulcers from it. That's why we get sick. And so Paul says, listen, here's the, here's the rational thing to do. Instead of worrying, pray. Now, why do you pray? Last time I checked, God actually has the power to do something about the things we can't control. He has the power to do something about the things we can't control. We're human beings. We're finite. We're limited. The God that we worship is all powerful. Now, he does not promise to fix every problem that we face. He doesn't promise that. So there are things that we worry about that we're certainly going to face and they're going to happen to us. Worrying isn't going to change it, but praying to God is going to do a couple things. One is it keeps us focused on God. And it is that relationship with God that's going to give you the power to get through the things that you worry about. If you do have to face them, the God of the universe is willing to help you walk through that difficulty. 
And so that's a rational, sensible thing to do is to talk to the God who is in all control, all powerful, and has the ability to help you because of his power navigate the struggle you're in. Now listen, I have some of you out here that say, I don't worry, I just prepare, right? You prepare, okay. So preparing is not bad. Preparing for the storms of life, uh, preparing for things so that you're ready to handle them. Nothing wrong with that. I really don't think there is. Um, But once you've prepared, okay, once you are prepared, then are you able to set those things aside and not worry that they're going to happen, right? Because they'll happen or they won't. You can be prepared and being prepared again, I think is a good thing. It's a Boy Scout motto. It's good. But with that being prepared, we have to walk in faith, trusting God. There was a woman who uh, just struggled to go to sleep every night. She would lay awake for hours as she lay in her bed. She would get in bed and then lay awake, not because she was on her phone, but because she was worried about an intruder breaking into her house and robbing her. And so her husband and her would get in bed. Good night, sweetie. She'd say good night. And here she would lay awake for hours trying to go to sleep worrying that someone's going to break into her home. And, and so uh, uh, one day, her husband woke up in the middle of the night and he heard a sound downstairs. He heard rustling. He went downstairs and sure enough, he found that someone had broken into their home. And he said, sir, could you come upstairs with me for a minute? My wife's been waiting 10 years to meet you. <laughs> I'm only here till about noon. <laughs> Listen, We can prepare, okay? It's okay to be prepared. I like to be prepared. I'm not against it. I'm not preaching against it. But we must, we are called not to worry, but to trust God. And practically, when we think our preparation is the thing that's going to prevent difficulty in life, pain in life, it's not. And and let's not continue to think that we can avoid uh, uh, difficulties in life by preparing It's certainly wise to be prepared, but we've got to trust God. What the apostle's trying to teach us is not to worry about anything, but to pray, pray more, pray more, pray more, talk to God more. That's going to make a difference. That's going to help you. It's going to bring God into, into your situation in your mind, right? He's already there, but in your mind, he shows up and then you can begin to see how he is at work in your situation. I I believe that there are miracles and answers that come from God for people all the time that they never know, they never recognize, they never realize. Because they're just not aware, they're not tuned into the fact that God is working in their situation. And when we pray, it gets our minds focused on God, our hearts focused on God. The second thing, the second aspect of this that that the Apostle Paul says to do is to uh, tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. There isn't anything too big or too small to talk to God about. He is your heavenly father. He cares about you more than you know. He's intimately aware of the situations in your life, both big and small. And God likes to answer your prayers. He likes to bless you and do good things for you. Doesn't mean he's a genie in the sky who's going to do everything you want, give you everything you want. That's not, that's not the point. But he does love you and he is a father to you and he cares. So tell him what you need. Again, going directly to the source of everything is a great privilege. Being able to talk to directly to God the Father who has created all things, who 
all things come from him. Being able to talk to him, to access him, to go boldly before the throne of grace. What a privilege it is. We need to do it more often. Tell God what you need. He can do something about it. And thank him for all he's done. You know, a thankful heart is a buffer against a bitter heart, against a doubtful heart, against a heart that's discouraged. Thankfulness reminds us of what God's done. It's interesting how we go through life, and I'm guilty of this. I'm just as guilty of it as anybody. Um, God has provided for me faithfully throughout my life. Over 50 years, God has provided for me. I've not missed very many meals, right? I just haven't. And it's not because I'm some genius and I'm always uh, doing all the right things. God has kept his promise to me and he's blessed me. In fact, given me way more uh, than I would ever need or deserve by any means. And yet something can happen and all of a sudden I'm worried that tomorrow is it going to happen again. I know I'm the only one. You don't know what I'm talking about. But but some of us have that tendency like, yeah, but okay, I know, I know God's been good, but is it going to happen again? Is he really going to show up tomorrow? It's kind of like the nation of Israel when they left Egypt. You know, they're coming out of slavery and God says, I'm going to set you free, sends Moses to lead them out. And, and uh, they come up against the Red Sea and Pharaoh's armies are behind him and God parts the waters. They walk through on dry ground. Incredible, mind-blowing miracle. And they get out into the desert and they don't have any water and they go, ah, we're going to die. You know? And God just split a sea for them. But they're not convinced he's going to show up right now to provide water for us. It's just our human tendency. And so thankfulness, a thankful heart is a buffer against that. And boy, I'm going to tell you, sometimes we got to work at being thankful. It's work. In the Peanuts cartoon, you know, Charlie Brown, uh, uh, one of the Thanksgiving cartoons, it's, it's just awesome. Charlie Brown is on his way out to Snoopy's doghouse with his Thanksgiving meal. You know, it's Thanksgiving day and and so Snoopy's out there sitting on his doghouse like normal. Charlie Brown's walking out to him and he's carrying just his typical bowl of dog food, right? And, uh, and he gets out of his Snoopy and he puts down the bowl of dog food. Snoopy looks at it and goes, man, it stinks to be a dog. On Thanksgiving day, everybody else is eating turkey and having this wonderful meal. And I just get dog food because I'm a dog. I just get dog food. He's kind of looking at that dog food for a minute and he goes, well, I guess it could be worse. I could be a turkey. <laughs> yeah. sometimes, sometimes you got to work to be thankful. Sometimes it takes work to see our situation and go, hey, listen, there's something good here. There's something I could be thankful for. Thank God that I, I'm not a turkey. Right? Thank God that, that, that something bad or worse didn't happen to me. I know it can be hard. It's tough to get our attitudes pointed in the right direction. And being thankful can be incredibly difficult, especially during certain seasons of our lives. And yet God has provided you. He's provided for you up to this point. He's provided for you. Why do you think all of a sudden he won't show up tomorrow, right? Be thankful. Say thank you. Take the time, build it into your life. Build it into your daily routine to just write down, or say to God out loud the things that he's done for you. It helps us keep the right attitude. Well, the result of walking this way, of not worrying about anything, praying about everything, telling God what you need, thanking for what, you, what he's done, that, uh, that rhythm of life, that way of living, okay, if you build it into your life, 
those practices, those behaviors, uh, that attitude. The Apostle Paul uh, says that something is going to happen to you that is nothing short of a miracle. In fact, it might be one of the most powerful of all miracles that you or I could ever experience. And that is that he promises that if we live this way, that God, the God of the universe, is going to plant within us, he's going to, he's going to place within us peace. Peace that can only come from him. Verse seven of Philippians four says this. He, he promises peace beyond understanding. This is what the verse says. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, peace is powerful. Peace is the one thing that every human being wants, but few find. Even people who follow Jesus, many do not ever really experience that peace in an abiding, lasting way. We tend to live like the world around us, even though we know that God is there and we put our trust in Jesus. We continue for some reason to hold on to these things that Jesus offers to help us with. You know, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's the promise of Jesus. He goes, listen, I'll help you carry your burdens. So you aren't filled with worry all the time. I'll be there to walk with you. I will shoulder those things that you can't control. I'll help you carry them. And so we can offload the things that we can't control onto God himself and trust him with them. And this is one of the things that allows us to live in peace. Peace, tranquility, the absence of inner turmoil. How many of you could use a little more of that? Man, I know I could. The path to that peace, the secret to living that and experiencing it is found in this passage. It comes first and foremost only as we enter a relationship with God through Jesus. That is the access point. There is no peace without the Prince of Peace living in your life. And so you've got to do business with God. You've got to make peace with God. And once that relationship is healed, then we have access to God the Father. And we can talk to him and, and the Holy Spirit is present in our lives. And we can begin to live a pattern of life that leads to the experiencing of this peace. We waste a lot of analytical energy trying to control things we can't control. Trying to control our lives so that we don't have any pain and difficulty. And again, that is a waste of time. The only path to peace is through Jesus. Believing and trusting in the God who can bring about good in any situation. Now that'll bring peace into your life. Trusting him with the things outside of your control. Walking in relationship with him. Jesus has offered to carry our burdens. I wonder if this Thanksgiving, as you enter this holiday season, if you might be willing to hand some of the things that stress you out over to Jesus instead of trying to carry them. How about that family stress? The feeling that comes up inside of you when you get to be around people that you love, but maybe you don't like very much, right? I know you don't have any of those in your family, but no, it could cause stress. How about that stress? How about planning stress? How about the turkey baking stress? How about the cleaning stress? travel stress. 
financial stress, Black Friday stress. Just don't go on Black Friday. It's a way to avoid that. The stress that comes maybe from being single, feeling alone, depression stress, the stress that comes from the loss of a loved one, and this is the first holiday season to go through without them. These things hurt and they bring a sense of pressure into our lives. Jesus wants to carry those things for you. He wants to walk with you through the difficulties of life. Will you let him this holiday season? He offers to do it, but he will not make you do it. It is as a decision of our will that we must hand things over to God and allow him to help us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. When our, when our hearts, when our lives are focused on God, we experience his presence in a powerful way. He will bring protection to our hearts. Paul says the peace of God is a protection. It will guard our hearts from fear and worry, anger, depression, hurt, bitterness. Peace will guard your heart from those things. All of those things will pull you away from God. Peace will ensure that you stay close to God. I just want to invite you, those of you that know Jesus, that have made a decision to follow him, for this season, let this be the beginning of a deeper walk with him, of following this rhythm, working to eliminate worry, praying and talking to God more about the problems in your life, asking him for what you need, thanking him for what he's done, and discovering the ability to take a breath and to have some peace and calm in the midst of a storm. Peace, right? Joy. These things don't come into our lives because of the circumstances we're in. In fact, God promises that we can have them in spite of the circumstances because he's the one that brings them into our lives. If you've not made a decision to trust Jesus as Savior, if you don't know the God that I'm talking about today, that the Bible teaches about, I just want to invite you to take a minute and consider a decision to invite God into your life, to put your trust in what Jesus has done. The Bible teaches very clearly that uh, we have a problem as a human race. We have a problem of sin that we have to deal with. We have chosen to break God's standards. And as a race, uh, our four uh, our forefathers, Adam and Eve, made a decision to go against what God uh, had commanded them to do. And so we live under the curse of sin. And sin is something we're going to be held accountable for, as everyone is held accountable for the things they do wrong. So we'll stand before God and give an accounting of our lives. The truth is that God, because of his great love for us, because of his love for you, he sent Jesus, his own son, to the earth to take on a human body to live and walk among us, to reveal to us who God is. He brought nothing but good. He healed the sick. He forgave sins. He brought a connection with God. It was real and meaningful. He spoke into people's lives, life. So Jesus came to the end of his life and he went to the cross. And the reason he went to the cross was to die there and to shed his blood, which was required for the payment of sin to be made. And so Jesus paid for your sin. He paid for my sin. He paid for the sin of every human being that has ever lived and will ever live. He atoned for it. 
And then God says to you, if you will put your trust in what Jesus did, not in what you can do, but if you'll put your trust in what I did for you, then you can be forgiven. You can be made right with God. The relationship between you and God can be fixed, healed. You can have peace with God. And so it really is only through faith, and that is trusting in what Jesus did for you, that you can be saved. It's, it's faith in what he did. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, it is by grace we are saved through faith. Grace is getting something you don't deserve. You cannot be good enough to earn God's forgiveness, and you can't be bad enough that you couldn't get it. It's not about you and your behavior because you have already fallen short, and the best of people has still fallen short of God and his standard. And so it's only by accepting the free gift of the work that Jesus did that you can really experience forgiveness and be set free. And so this week before Thanksgiving, I want to invite you to do that if you haven't. If you haven't made a decision to trust Christ, would you just bow your head for a moment? And if you're there today and you want to place your trust in Jesus, you want to respond to the gift that God is offering to you, then I would just ask you to pray this prayer with me. Prayers are not magical, but they are real and God hears them. And so if you want to place your trust in Jesus and invite him into your life and experience the peace that passes all understanding, then pray this prayer with me. Say this, God, I know that I am a sinner. I know that I've fallen short of the standard that you made me to live by. I know that I'm going to face judgment someday before you for the things I've done. And so right here and right now, I'm placing my faith and trust in what Jesus did on the cross and that when he died, that he died for my sin and that he paid for it. And so I'm putting my trust in what he did for me. And I'm asking you to forgive my sins and to come into my life and to teach me how to live for you, how to follow you how to know you. I want that peace that the Bible talks about. If you pray that prayer, God says that he will answer it and he will come into your life and change everything. God, we thank you for the promise that you make not to make us rich, not to make us successful, but to give us your presence, to walk with us, to be in us, and to give us that peace that passes all understanding where we can have serenity and calm in our lives. We don't have to live in the constant drama of the world around us, but we can just walk with you and sit with you. Thank you for that promise and the willingness that you have to be in our lives. And I pray for each person here, God, that as we enter this season of thanksgiving, we truly would be thankful. And we would be able to live out of hearts of gratitude for what you've done for us. That we could follow this rhythm of life where we don't worry about anything, but we pray about everything. And we tell you what we need and we thank you for what you've done. And God, thank you for the peace that you want to bring to us. I pray that you'd help us to, to walk in that path and experience that this year. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.